Hey, hey, hey. G'day, guys. How you going? This is the 80s Montage. I'm Sammy Hardon. And I'm Jay Jovi. Great to be having you back, guys. Great to be having you back. Awesome. And we've got a special guest today. We've got a very special guest. Uh, we're talking in tribute of a, a giant of our industry who... We've just recently passed. Of course, obviously, I'm talking about Eddie Van Halen. Uh, our special guest today is a man called Zach Zedras. Any muso in Melbourne, any muso around Australia is going to know that name. Zach is the guitarist's guitarist. He's uh, played with bands such as Mandy Kane, Red Circle, Screaming Jets, Serpentine and Chocolate Starfish, I believe, most recently. Uh, Zach is an incredible guitarist. Both Sammy and I have played with Zachy over the years and he's probably the biggest Van Halen expert that we know of. So, of course, we're going to call him up to talk about our mate Eddie Van Halen. How are you going, Zachy? Wow, what an intro. Thanks, guys. That's very nice of you. Nice to be be here. Are you scared yet? (laughs) No, I've just had a, a big cup of coffee, so I'm a bit pumped. Good. Fantastic. Awesome, mate. Awesome. We Look, we, um, we have had you in mind for a while, Zeki, uh, to get you on the show. Um, we've, you know, we've had you in the sort of pipeline to perhaps do like a Guitar Heroes uh, episode. But of course, you know, this um, uh, unfortunate opportunity come, came along to talk about Eddie Van Halen. It's great to have you here, of course, and, uh, you know, it, it'd, be, you. it'd be nice if we were sort of talking about something more positive, but, you know, I reckon to pay tribute to somebody and look back at their body of work, especially when they're a musician and especially uh, a genius like Eddie Van Halen is, is a wonderful opportunity, especially to talk to somebody that knows so much about him. So thanks for coming on board, mate. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Zaki, end of an era. How are you feeling? I'm actually still trying to process it, actually, because um, for the first couple of days I couldn't even listen to his music. And then, and then when I did, it was weird because, you know, I could say all through my life, because I've, I've been into Van Halen since the beginning, since 78. So every time I would listen to them, it would bring me that little bit of joy, you know? Like, no matter... Because I'm always, whenever I really listen to music, I'm, I'm in my car, right? Because I've got so many songs on my phone. I usually have it on shuffle and I've got all types of music. But whenever Van Halen came on, because I, I, a lot of times I'll, I'll drive home and I'm, I might skip for maybe 20 k's till I find a song I'll, I'll get, get a vibe on, you know? Yeah. But I, I, never, I never skipped on Van Halen, especially early Van Halen. And it always brought a smile to my face. But now, you know, it's, it's, 
it's happy and sad. Like it's yeah, you know, it's like losing a family member. Like really, um, the day he passed, I was asleep. Um, my partner woke me up oh, and told shit. me, and I was I was in a really deep sleep, and I, I apparently she said I just I just went no no no, and then I fell asleep, and then I woke up again and actually thought I'd had a dream that he died. Yeah. And then I put my phone on and, you know, just scrolled for – it was never-ending images of Eddie and I cried like a big baby. Yeah, yeah. You know what was, you know what was I guess, um, a, a, a sort of a result of that tragedy was it was reassuring in a way to see – how upset our entire music community was at the at the loss of Eddie. Consistently, every muso I know posted something about Eddie and just how upset they were, and uh, you know, memories and anecdotes and their favourite photos. And um, I think he's one of those musos that everybody liked. You know, mm. he was he was just everybody loved Eddie. Well, he was humble. He was a humble yeah. dude, and yeah. he he never took his success. To heart, he didn't expect the success he had at a young age. Yeah. Um, but let's just talk about Unchained, Dull, that we played at the start of the show. That was a pretty turmoil kind of an area for them. They'd already sort of started dancing around the David Lee Roth arguments, it, and and they call that their dark album. What's your feeling of that? Well, it, it, it's dark because it's sort of not. Not really the sort of party type songs. It's a, it's mm. it's an album that um, Eddie kind of took the reins a bit and didn't want to do any more cover songs. Wanted to do sort of heavier stuff. It was at the time it was their it, their lowest selling album, but now it's uh, you know pretty much every guitarist will say it's their favorite Van Halen album. Um, How about you? Um, it's on a tie for me actually with Van Halen too. Okay. Mm. I th- as an album, I, Van Halen 2 is, for me, a better album, but um, Fair Warning has my favourite song, Mean Streets. Ah, oh, God, I love that one, man. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, see, this is the thing as well. You know that, um, you know, the, the, the great, you know, and I always try to look on the bright side, even though it's a massive loss, and... You know that when you lose these artists, the great thing is is that they're going to return to the charts. Their music is going to return to the charts. So, you know, everybody sort of wants to sort of recapture a bit of their essence just one more time, you know? Yeah, well, um, I saw their sales have gone up 7,000%. Wow. (laughs) Something's stupid like that. Ah, yeah. Wow, yeah. Look, as you say, um, you've been on board with them um, from the beginning and they, they um, started out in their, – their first album was in 78. Um, Eddie himself was born January 26, 1955. Sammy, you were saying he's an Aquarian. He's an Aquarian, a double Aquarian, moon in Aquarius and sun in Aquarius. Wow. And where free does spirit, that man. your 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 knowledge of him as well as being a free spirit? How does that sort of line up with your knowledge of you know Aquarians and their behaviour? The fact that he didn't go by the book, 
you you know the age of Aquarius, that whole big thing that happened in those years. He didn't yeah. go by the book. He learnt. He taught himself guitar. He rebuilt guitars to where they may not have. Shouldn't have gone really, you know. He yeah. was looking for a guitar that wasn't made, and he did that himself. Mm. So, and he didn't give a fuck about what people thought. That's what an Aquarian is. If they're a strong Aquarian, like you're an Aquarian, and I see similarities in people through that, but definitely a free spirit and someone that really just wanted to do what he wanted to do. Beautiful. He what? even um, he taught himself English. They they came here. Yes. They they, they didn't speak English. They they That's came right. here. The whole family moved here with 50 bucks. And, wow. Um, so on the way here, on, on the boat, uh, their dad was jamming with the band yeah. on, on the boat. And um, I remember hearing an interview with him, even after high school, everybody was saying to Eddie, like, what um, university are you going to? And he looked at his brother and he goes, I guess we were just playing music. Now, that music has just been, was his life, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because the dad obviously was a musician. The mum sort of had aspirations of Eddie or even Alex, his brother, uh, you know, being being a classical pianist. She she sort of wanted and, – and they that, – that was their first instrument, I believe, wasn't it? Uh, both Alex and Eddie. Uh, piano was their That's first right. instrument, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was a, a good pianist and, you know, um, they – they lived at home with their parents till about 1980 or 81. Wow. And, the, you know, the band was already a, pl- a platinum act by then. Mm. But um, the, their, their mum was like, uh, just in case this music doesn't work, we can stay at home and you can get another job. Or <laughs> he, Ed only moved out of home when he married Valerie Bertinality. Wow. Really? Yeah. Because I, I met Eddie and Valerie in Melbourne. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, my God. What year so, was this? Well, it was because had Van Halen not come out before they brought Sammy out here? Was that how it went? Was no, they, f- they never toured here. They never yeah. toured here with Sammy. I thought they did the Palace in uh, 97. No. Well, I met Eddie. No. What was he here for then? They toured here with Gary Sharon. Okay. It might have been that. Oh, right. Okay. I don't know who. Oh, get. Ga- Oh, so Sammy wasn't here, but Eddie was, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. Okay. The, they did one album with uh, Gary Sharon. My apologies, e- I thought extreme. it was Sammy, but I there did meet go. I did meet Eddie out front of the Imperial Hotel in South Yarra because you know I used to live in South Yarra. That was like yep. for ten years, and I I'm not a rock chick. I love rock now, but I wasn't. I loved Eddie, but I didn't realize how much. He kind of inspired me until I actually looked at him in the face and he gave me that cheesy grin and went, how you going or whatever he did. And I was like, is that fucking Eddie Van Halen? Am I having a nightmare? He probably said, fuck off, bitch. No, he wanted to have a drink. He was a fucking really friendly guy. He was super friendly and I was only 27 maybe. Yeah. Would that have been 97, that gig, babe? I can't even remember. I, I think so. Um, one of my best friends, Ash, he put up a photo. Like, um, this is hard to believe, but he's, he's got a he's got a photo to prove it. Um, when he was in Sydney, Eddie turned up to my friend's house with with a girl, and he's got a photo of uh, Eddie sitting on his lap in his lounge room. Fuck! Doesn't oh. surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. I, Super- I, I'll send you the photo later. 
super friendly guy. She was lovely too, Valerie. And I was a Valerie fan because I'd seen her on TV. And I'm sure they asked me to have a drink with them because they were super excited to be in Australia. And I was that age where it was like, oh, I've got to go off and do my own thing. You kind of regret shit like that when you look back, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the other day, I I think they were staying at the Como because – yeah, they were. Um, I was walking down Chapel Street and do you remember that, I don't know, there was a cafe next to that joint, um, what was the most popular pub in the middle of the, where all the cover bands used to play? What was that called? The Black Prince? Oh. So on the other side. Oh, With yeah. the beer garden out yeah. the front. Nah, nah. Oh, it might have been that one. They might have changed it to that. Is anyway, that Elephant was, and was, Wheelbarrow? Yeah. I was walking down there and um, Alex Van Halen walked past me and the same thing. He walked past me and I went, was that Alex Van Halen? Exactly. <laughs> I, like, oh, that's, I, remember, I remember psychologically thinking that. Have I just looked at Eddie Van Halen in the face? It was so <laughs> – and I'm not a fan. I mean, I'm a fan but I'm not a huge fan. I was into fucking Paula Abdul and shit like that. But <laughs> I was like looking at this guy and that was the thing about Eddie in the 80s. There was Eddie Van Halen – Joe Satriani and Steve Vai. That is all you fucking heard about. Yeah. But Eddie was always the master. Yeah. And the funny thing about Chapel Street is it's actually quite narrow. Like the the footpath is actually quite narrow. So you you see so many and, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, it it was, you know, not so much now but very fashionable. It was the place to be, you know, rock and bars, rock and clubs and everything. And you'd always see – um, big names uh, just just cruising down the street, and I've Absolutely. I've had so many of those moments. Like, oh, was that fucking so and so? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I had a trivia show in Chapel Street, and I chased Barnsley down the fucking road, or Eric, um, <laughs> and to see if he'd do the show, and and that's what used <laughs> to happen. Was, it was he was saying fuck off, bitch. Well, no, Barnsley <laughs> would do anything for a fucking beer. I tell you what. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I had the guts to go right up to him. <laughs> Great. That would have made him feel comfortable. Mm. Well, <laughs> he was kind of scary then. <laughs> no, he was definitely Barnsey. He was definitely Barnsey. How's my dad today rings me just out of the blue and I get this because he's got it. He's 75. He's got caller ID off so I know it's my dad. And he goes, Sammy, Sammy, did you watch that Jimmy Barnes show last night? Bloody good. Bloody good. Channel 2, did you watch it? Just rings me out of the blue to ask if I've watched Jimmy on the TV. And I went, nah, Dad, I I didn't watch it. And he goes, oh, bloody good, Sammy. That was it. That was the conversation. You'll have to put put your dad onto Jimmy's Jimmy's online concerts that he does with the missus, Sammy. He'll love it. I don't know if he will. (laughs) Well, speaking of Jimmy, that's right. Speaking of, yes. Yeah. Tell us about that, Zachy. What do you know about that? I don't know. I think I tried to block it out. <laughs> right. So Maddie just mentioned in our ear that that um, Jimmy Barnes got got offered to join Van Halen. It wouldn't have worked. It, no. Yeah. Look, there were there were a few names in the hat after Dave left. Like um, Eddie also went after um, you know Patty Smythe. Yeah. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's that song from Scandal that? Uh, Warrior? Warrior, yeah. She mm-hmm. played the sax solo in that song. I found oh, that really. really well, I'm into Casey Kasem's top 40 at the moment. So I'm just hearing little tidbits, and that was one of the things I really loved that she played the sax on that song. 
tidbit. She declined. She reckons the main reason she declined is she said that she said they were really heavy drinkers and she couldn't be around it. I think I think she was pregnant at the time as well. Right, that wouldn't have helped. Fucking hell! <laughs> All right, so let's um let's backtrack just slightly so we can sort of walk, work through uh, chronologically, I guess, and like touch on the albums and have a little bit of a chat with you, Zachy, about each one. If you want to sort of pull them apart for us and. From cool. from a from a guitarist perspective, that's um, right. So yeah, I mean, he was fresh off the boat. They came from Amsterdam. Um, could barely speak. Uh, well, you know, yeah, barely spoke any English. They they uh, basically played on the boat on the way over for passage. Like that's the way they they paid their way across, and. Um, they would have they would have started playing music to survive. So I, I always think that survival element with musicians and artists is really really important to success. Like if you're yeah. if you're playing to eat, it really adds something amazing. You know that's your that's your connection to your survival. So you know you're going to be great at it, no doubt. It's sink or swim. Totally. Uh, yeah. So. Um, they obviously they they would have uh, basically come, they would have emigrated to New York initially, um, but cut a long story short, you know they all grew up and blah blah blah. They actually all met in California, isn't that right? That's right, um, Pasadena. Yeah, on oh, Pasadena to be specific. Yeah, that's right, absolutely. And they were all at high school together, is that right? Um, I'm not 100% sure about that one. Or just in the same area. They were just in the same area. Yeah, same area. Like uh, I know um, Dave basically joined the band because he owned a, a PA. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, well, you guys need a PA. Well, get me in your band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I think they may have met Mike. I think they may, may have met um, Mike Anthony. At high school, obviously, Dave and Alex knew each other and they were kicking around in like a covers band situation and Dave yeah, saw so them. so the, b- before Michael Anthony, they had a, um, a bass player called uh, Mark Stone who actually died like a week before Eddie. Fuck. Yes, I heard that. Is that right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Michael Anthony was in a rival band called um, Mammoth. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, the cover thing, it never really worked for them because they used to sound like Black Sabbath doing fucking Get Down Tonight by the KC and the Sunshine Band. Yeah. Which is what yeah. they, uh, what, what uh, you know, Eddie said, we just couldn't do it. Which in our, in his defence was fantastic because he could go on and write his own music and he wasn't just a guitarist he was a musician and he was a guitar tech I, I guess you could say and he did rewrite the system a little bit oh he sure did like the american dream mate he was the american dream basically for sure how do you think he rewrote the system babe well there's there's so many ways he changed it Everything, like, you know, everybody goes to his guitar playing, but he also changed the way guitars are built. Like he was – Yeah. Um, I don't know if he was the very first guy to do this, but he was – you know, he's credited as being the first guy to put a, a humbucker into a Strat, which wasn't done before that because he um, – so he, he, so that was one of the first things. Then, you know, um, 
You guys know what a Floyd Rose is? Yeah, I do. You know, like the whammy bar on a guitar, right? Mm-hmm. So he co-designed with a man called Floyd Rose. They co-designed this tremolo system that doesn't go out of tune because so ah. he helped design these things that lock it down, right? Yeah. So before that it was just a normal one on, on, on a fender that, you know, if, if you did what Eddie did, it would always go out of tune. So mm. um, he also uh, kicked off uh, – it changed the way amplifiers were designed too because he – um, plugged plugged this thing into it called a variac, which lowered the voltage of the amp, so he could get it more distorted. People weren't doing that before; they were just using pedals. So um, he sort of kickstarted this um, high gain amplifier. Was that because so, um, he brought a Marshall stack that was from England and he plugged it in, and it was only a certain amount of voltage, and it wasn't that high in volume, but it sounded so good. He wanted to get the transformer. No, um, it's because he he played so loud and everybody said – so he tried turning it around and stuff like that but th- then he realised if he hooked it up to a, a, a lighting dimmer, which is basically what a, a variac is, he could lower the voltage and run the amp flat out. Right. Um, and then he discovered that that sounded pretty cool as well. So he did that. So, you know, that, that it just kick-started so many things. I mean, they – Single-handedly, I, I think. I mean, the, this is the, the headline of a, a uh, the heading of a book I read a while ago. They they kind of saved heavy metal and kick-started it again because in 1978, no one in was America, doing it. it was well, yeah, it was basically you know disco, disco. and that, you know that and pop, right? Mm. Um, bands like Sabbath and Zeppelin and they were dinosaurs, and that music was not popular. It wasn't. And Van, Van Halen came out and sort of kick-started and, and also started that whole new genre which is unfortunately called hair metal, you know. Like how many bands in the 80s had a, a blonde front man and a, and a guitarist right. with, a, <laughs> yeah, with, yeah. with a painted guitar and a whammy bar and, you know. And I always wondered where, that, where this stereotype that you're talking about where it may have originated, and it never occurred to me that it could be Van Halen because it's not. Yeah, they are the prototype. It's not how I think of Van Halen as a hair metal band, though. You know. No, no I, I totally agree with you. Um, um, a lot of the the bands that came out of hair metal just took one little aspect of Van Halen, and I mean, let, let's be honest, many of them kind of ruined it. You know. But yeah. They they forgot that. One of the great aspects of Van Halen was was humour, um, yeah, and, and, and you know, and fun, and they were the first band to to sort of be smiling on stage, you know. Oh, yeah, I love that's right. Yeah, if you, exactly. you see Eddie, he's always smiling, or, or he's got his mouth it. open or something. But but that uh, and and Dave with his, you know, his lyrics is he's, he's a supremely smart guy, mm. and there's a lot of, there's a lot of humour in everything he does, you know. A lot of energy. We, I was um, yeah. I was reflecting on this um, a while ago with some musos, and we were talking about what sort of big, you know, big bands or big acts actually use humour um, as a as a massive part of their act, and it's it's really it's really actually hard to put that list together. Um, 
you know, you might think Prince uses a certain amount of humour, but then he's also he's also very serious about himself as well. You know, you don't think of him as being sort of comedic. Um, you might think of someone like Queen and Freddie Mercury as um, using a lot of humour as well. Obviously, they've they've sort of sent themselves up over the years a lot, but. You know, you do think of Van Halen and you do think of the humour element and that and that fun, positive element as, as a massive part of their act. Yeah, totally. Like, um, you know, so Dave is hilarious. You watch the videos, listen to his lyrics. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day that singer from Steel Panther. Oh, um, wow. Michael. Because he was, you know, he, he said basically he his whole act is Dave, you know, because yeah. he <laughs> grew up he grew up in California and saw Dave all the time, and you know he said that he's he's the god. <laughs> yeah, wasn't he yeah. in a Van Halen tribute band for fourteen years? The Atomic yeah. Punks. Wow, wow. I mean, the voice is Dave, isn't it? Like the voice that he does in Steel Panther is Dave. You know, totally, like talk, 100%. talking about chicks and blah 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 and doing drugs and everything. Uh, yeah. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dave's look and Vince Neil's waistline. <laughs> Just thought I'd repeat yeah. that for Maddie. That was a good one, Maddie. Yeah, I think I think somebody said he, he's um he's a he's a <laughs> he looks like a, either a skinny Vince Neil or a fat David Leroth. <laughs> Do you know? Just. <laughs> Just on the look of the boys, the two brothers, Alex and uh, Maddie and I were talking about it in the lounge room the other night and I always thought they were Asian. They had an Asian element to yeah. their look. Yeah, yeah. And then we looked, mum was Indonesian, yeah. So yeah. I was really surprised at that. But, like, he's a, he's a very he's a striking-looking dude. They both are striking-looking dudes. Yeah, they're striking. <laughs> yeah, I, I, had, um, I had a few... Um, because, again, the, the, the day he died, um, my phone blew up, right? Yeah. So my, even my mum my mum rang me because mm. she goes, oh, I know how much you love him. I had ex-girlfriends message me. I had guys from high school. Yeah. And a few girls were saying, oh, you know, Eddie was their high school crush, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was too scared to message a man. Like we were too scared to ask you to do this show. <laughs> you I know, messaged you. Know, we- you. I messaged yeah. you in lieu of asking you to do – like I was like, I'll message you, make sure that I'm on – because Maddie told me it had happened. I didn't know. And Maddie said, have you heard from Zach today? And I went, no, why would I hear from Zach? And he went, Eddie Van Halen died. And I went, fuck. And then I was worried. You know. Yeah, Maddie told yes, me but- too, the bastard. Because we – when you got – because Zach, for people that – listen to the show regularly, we have a, a cover band called Rewind 80s and Zaki helped us start Rewind 80s and did a lot of our first demos. Well, you were the first guitarist in the band. So we then got the Australian Open and for me, when we got that, I really thought we needed to stick a Van Halen song in the set because they were so sporty. If you watch a sports show, you hear a Van Halen theme and you just, you know, dreams and stuff like that, Panama, all about that sport, surfing, whatever. So I thought we'd take that into the Australian Open and that was the first time I really enjoyed singing Van Halen and I'd never done it before. Um, and it was incredible because remember I, th- I did. Um, remember when we were recorded and I, I did, did the, cow? Um, the 
Oh, no, I did, I did the Beat It solo just quickly. I said, oh, how's this? Well, I wanted to ask if we could play that because that was an incredible solo. I just want to play it from just to show people what you can actually do because you did that within two takes, not even. It was like, Wank. Yeah, I'll probably hear it now and go, no. <laughs> I mean, that's another thing, the work he did with Michael Jackson on Beat It, he fucking transformed that whole song. Oh, absolutely. Gave him a hit, handed him a hit. Here's the thing, um, Eddie, so I've also, you know, there's, oh, Sammy, you got me onto it, that um, Dave and Dave Unchained podcast, You right? got me onto so, that, didn't you? Did I? Oh, I listened um, to that, right? So, so I they do have too. lots of great guests. And... Um, I listened to the one, and I've read his book too, Noel Monk, he used to manage Van Halen. So Eddie went and everybody knows the story about Eddie going to do this thing with Michael Jackson, right? Do you guys all know that story? Yeah, yeah, Tell yeah, us, yeah. mate, because there might be people at home. So, yeah, tell us, mate. Um, well, the first couple of times he was rung up, uh, Quincy Jones rang him up and, and he kept hanging up and going, fuck off. And Didn't believe him. And then he eventually... Yeah. And then eventually, I think Michael rang him and said, "Hey, I can't, I can't do the false hey, out at the moment. Go on, have a go." No, go I on. haven't been up long <laughs> enough. <laughs> hey, Mister Eddie. Anyway, so, uh, anyway, so, so he went in. Uh, he said, um, "I like." I can, see, I can't do false out. Anyway, he said to him, "I like that fast, widdly high stuff you do. Mm-hmm. That's all, Michael. I, I like that's that all fast, Michael. widdly high stuff you do. That's perfect." Yeah. So um, I think he, I think he did maybe two or three takes and, and bailed, and they just did a, a comp, right? That was perfect. But, um, Eddie didn't want any money or any points right. on the album. And Incredible. The, the manager said the manager said he asked him five times, and, and Eddie just kept saying, "No, but I really like him. I really like him." And um, oh, is that right? That's awesome. So like he. Imagine just having a point on Thriller. Fuck. I was just listening to a podcast today about how much Michael Jackson made from that album um, just in in royalties, you you know, just just fucking incredible. Something like $50 million in, what was it, 1984? $50 million from, you know, fuck. And that is just nuts, just nuts. It's insane, and, and look, them getting Eddie on it, like it, it got got people like me to to buy beat it and get into yeah. Michael Jackson. Although you know, I did like Off the Wall, but mm. I mean, the, the crossover to the rock audience was yeah. ginormous. You know, yeah, god, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And yeah, also the was... fact, sorry, honey, 
I was just going to say, you got to give it to Michael. He's cunning. You know, like he he's he's um not dumb. He made a smart decision there. Sorry, Sammy, go ahead. Well, oh, now I can't remember what I was going to say, but the the house he brought Michael a house, or Michael brought him a house for that as payment, and. The thing about Eddie Van Halen is he wasn't in it for the money. He says that a lot. When you listen to his interviews, his big thing is I was never in it for the money. And I kind of think he's not one of those wankers that says that. I think it was he knew and he had this confidence that eventually there would be a pay packet at the end of the line somewhere. Yeah. I don't I don't think he bought him a house though. I've never heard that. Oh, really? Oh, I thought he yeah, bought him no. a house. No, him and Valerie bought bought that house. Okay. He would have no, a few houses, nothing. I imagine. He got, no, he got nothing. No, he stayed in the in the same house till till he passed. It, it, it's Is in that um, right? yeah, it's in Coldwater Canyon in L in LA. Wow. And, and guess who their neighbour was? Lindsay Wagner. <laughs> oh, bloody and hell! She, every now and then she would say. You, you've left your studio door open. It sounds like you're Van Halen are rehearsing there. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's awesome. Fantastic. Ah, is it is it far from Hollywood? No, I think it's uh, like five minutes. Yeah, right. But oh. I think eventually they bought Lindsay's house next door and made the studio bigger. And yeah, yeah. All right, nice. Oh, great. Hey, should we um, just looking at the times? Shall we break for an ad and then mm. come back and go through album to album? Well, sure. yeah, I, I just, yeah, let's do that. What, whatever, let's just have a chat about the man. Yeah, whatever happens, beautiful. happens because it's interesting. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll play a little ad. Do we want to give any kind of an intro or we just go for nah. it? Here we go. Hot Licks, the computerized guitar you can play in a minute. Hot Licks. Play it in a minute. Hot Licks. Play it in a minute. Hot legs from Tyco. Hot legs. Hot legs. You would have had a few hot legs in your time, I imagine, Sammy. <laughs> I have never gone. Yeah. I've never gone the lick. To tell you the truth, I've never you, gone there. I, I came close. You could have been on the receiving end. You see, I could have. That would have been much better. <laughs> but I've never gone there, and I've never played a hot licks guitar either. Right, right. I remember the this ad. I fucking remember this ad. Really? Matty reckons he had one. Yeah, he would have. Well, that was a great 80s commercial, a bit of hot licks. Not as easy being a guitarist, though, was it, than playing a hot lick guitar? <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> you know, a lot of kids thought it would be that easy. It set a lot of kids up for failure, that fucking hot licks. Yes, that's right. Good. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> Maddie's saying that there was a drum version of this that had fucking drumsticks with wires coming out of the bottom that like you'd hit the pads and it'd be like. <laughs> now, if only kids crave to be fantastic at playing musical instruments today as so much Zachy, as in the 80s. Yes, see. 
Do you remember, because everyone assumes that I knew know you through Maddie and we actually met in about 1988 on the scene and yep. you were living with uh, Vince Lee at the time. That's right. And I knocked on the door and you were an absolute cunt to me that day. <laughs> <laughs> Can't knock, knock his judgement, can you? No, I, I thought it was quite unique that you did that because <laughs> I was I quite attractive and – you know, ready to rock, and you didn't give a fuck. <laughs> He'd what was seen my all problem? that before. That Kay? kind of thing. What no, was no, no, my it's problem? not. But no, it was no. You were you were different. You were very different back then. And I did go and see Serpentine because there'll be a lot of guitar heads on the sh- or listening today that will remember Serpentine. You were like royal pub royalty, man. And in those days, <laughs> it wasn't easy to become big in a pub. It's not like today where you put a fucking Facebook out and you're out there with your dick out and your fucking shit house. You actually had to be a fucking good band in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You did, didn't you? It was a different time in Melbourne. Oh, it sure was. And you, pl- I think it was the Corner Hotel that you played with Serpentine? Yeah, we, I mean, we, we, um, I think we had a residency there for a while, but we played everywhere. Yeah, you're big. And Molly was looking at you for a while too, wasn't he? Yeah. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Nah, look. I was I was impressed because I wasn't, like I say, into the style. Vince had taken me to see you because you were obviously flatmates. And I was like, these guys have really got this fucking rock star shit down. And I kind of had the hots for Sky for a little while and then he was a slut so I didn't go there. Um, and Craigie I worked with later on down the line. But um, really interesting time, the 80s in Melbourne what, for What for band guitarists. was that? What band was Serpentine. that in case people don't know? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I said it about three times. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm – <laughs> She did. They may not know that the men that you're mentioning are in Serpentine. Well, they may not, but, you know, people that know Zachy will know about it. It's just one of those right. things I didn't want to explain. Sorry. Lovely. All right. That's good. Fantastic. But yeah, rock and time. Bloody hell. Awesome. Let's have a crack at this. So in 1977, uh, the Van Halen boys were signed with Warner. They would have been fucking young in 77, yeah? So you know how they, um, you know about the Gene Simmons connection? Yeah, Gene Simmons was the man. That's right. Elaborate on this for us. So, um... I can't remember how he first got onto them. He was probably told, but he saw them. They, they were playing at, um, I think, the Starwood or, or the Whiskey. They were, the, the you know, whiskey. selling that joint out because um, they were together quite a long time. Because up until they, they were together, like maybe eight years, and they were like the number one backyard party band in LA, right? Yeah, <laughs> and they would do they would do these four or five sets or do two gigs a night and they, yeah. they're, they're, there's tapes out. There's, I've got some tapes of them. They would play everything from ZZ Top through to, you know, Deep Purple. and But it's really cool when you hear it because they, the way they did covers is just really cool. And yeah. anyway, so Gene Simmons checked them out, thought they were great. He um, gave them some money to fly to New York and do a demo at Electric Lady Studio. Um, but that demo did he, – he signed them for like a management deal but that – and he's, I think his deal was if nothing happens out of this demo, I will release you from the contract and you guys can go on and 
so nothing happened with what his demos. So he released them. Then um, I think the guy's name's Mo Austin from Warner's caught them, or or maybe Ted Templeman caught them and uh, like at the Starwood or the Whiskey, and and they, they were just blown away and. Yeah, it was Ted Templeman. He's like, you have to sign these guys straight away. And I, I think Mo said, I don't, I don't really see it. I can see the guitarist is great. They all initially thought Dave was uh, not right, and they were they were even considering getting another singer in the beginning. They just didn't get it. But before they went in to record the album, Dave went and did a lot of vocal lessons with, um, I think Ted Templeman helped him because Ted Ted was actually a really good singer, and he actually sang some of the background vocals on. A few of their albums. Oh, wow. Anyway, Dave really, Dave really got his shit together, and um, the rest is history. But yeah, wow. he nearly was. He was, he was nearly cut out of the band, which I think's a shame because he was. I think he was one of the best front men on the planet. I can understand why, though. I, I can understand why, though. He's just he he look he. You can't begrudge a front man for having a very high opinion of themselves. Dave, Dave is very f- full of himself. You know, like Dave is yeah, very you have to be. sure of himself. Um, yeah. But um, you, look, you either love him or hate him. You really – you either love him or hate him, you know. You, 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 but you, at the end of the day, you can't begrudge a front man – for you, you need that element of kind of loving yourself to be able to get up in front of fucking thousands of people and take them on, especially when they're all fucking pissed and ready to tear you down if they smell some weakness, you know? Yeah, well, that's right. You know, um, um, apparently, look, he was obviously born to be on stage because I think he's pretty much been single his whole life. Wow. Because, and, and you hear stories about, you know, imagine – so everybody knows how much partying the band did, like, and with, you know, drugs, alcohol, blah, blah, right? So imagine being on a bus um, with David Lee Roth for eight hours. Oh, fuck. And let's say, let's say for a couple of months. So he would, he would pretty much drive people mental, you know? Yeah. But he – on stage he did his thing, but on a day-to-day basis he was quite – Quite a nightmare a lot of the time. But, you know, when people looked at David Lee Roth visually, they wouldn't have known his personality at this stage. So you're a record exec and you're looking at a guy doing the fucking split jumps and, you know, his ass hanging out of his pants. You are going to be a little afraid that he's going to fucking go, you know, run run away with the fucking circus. Like he – I don't think it was all about how much he thought of himself. It was the fact that he was – very camp and very disco, really. You know, he loved disco, yeah. and he's he had very this hammy, isn't he? He's very like very yeah, hammy. Ham, you know, it would have yeah. been a huge fucking fright for record execs to go. Are we going to have a hit with this dude or not? And he's still like that, you know. Like I, I saw them, I saw them in Sydney in I think it was 2012 or 2013, where they came out. Well, um, my old band Ten Thousand was on the same festival lineup. And um, they, they, it was a double headline with Aerosmith. 
and uh, Aerosmith had just played. And Aerosmith were like Aerosmith back in the day. I've talked about this before on this show. They were so fucking incredible. They were so fucking incredible. Then straight after, you had Van Halen. <clears throat> Van Halen sort of at this stage, and especially, especially with Dave, Dave was like the L- Las Vegas cabaret version of himself. You know, and yeah, older and older Dave is um, not because I've seen a lot of videos from their last couple of tours, and older Dave is a lot different to the the, the younger Dave had a, a badass swagger, right? Yeah, yeah. The the, he the, did. the old Dave now is like your camp uncle. Yeah, yeah. He's very yeah. much like your camp uncle with okay. puppet strings, like the fucking arms look like he's a puppet. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's the a jazz bit thunder, hands. the jazz hands and the thunderbird. You know, but I I give him credit for that because I think if someone wants to be a wanker and you can afford to be a wanker, we've talked about this before, Zachy, you and I backstage, that if you think if you act like a wanker, you're gonna have to fucking live up to being a wanker, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. think he does live up to being a wanker. I think there is a swagger about him still. Unfortunately, in the industry, you get older and people go, well, that guy's just shit. He can't sing that high anymore. I wouldn't expect him to be Dave in the 80s now. But see, I, I, I expect um, Eddie and the boys to be like that, though. Yeah, the thing is, though, you take away the, you take away the, the, the fucking split kicks and all the energy and you're, you're just left with the, all the ham acting on stage. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's. It's confronting now. Um, yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Maddie just said I you think, have to um, try a hell of a lot harder to get a menopausal woman wet. <laughs> I think somebody's had a word to Dave. Like, um, just before the so just before the pandemic hit, Dave was supporting Kiss, and I've seen a few videos of that. Right, and just before that, he did a little Vegas residency, and. It was really bad. Yeah, he, I've he heard was singing this. bad. Um, he he basically he he'd stopped singing the melodies of the song. He was just singing this other weird shit. Like he was trying to sing higher than the recorded versions, right? Oh, wow! And you just got to go and look at uh, "Dance the Night Away" or something like that, and it, it's like, what, what is he singing to? Anyway, I think somebody's had a word to him because on the Kiss supports, he was. Like almost, almost good. Like he was singing back down low, following the melody, not fucking around. I think he knew that it was a big deal supporting Kiss, and it's probably his last. He's probably his last radio, you know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Kiss yeah. had a fucking chat to him. Maybe fucking Gene yeah. said, "Hey, uh, mate, what?" Sing the lyric. Sing yeah. the lyrics. They talked to Dave. Paul as well. That's right. That's a good point. All right. So um, ultimately Gene Simmons walked away. Ultimately Gene Simmons walked away from it. Um, uh, in 78 Van Halen would release Van Halen, the first album, um, on February the 10th, which is three days after my actual birthday, Sammy. Yeah, it is. There we go. Um, and it would have been a couple of days after bloody Eddie's birthday too. Um, it went top tw- – first album went top 20 um, in US, Australia and Canada, which is fucking fantastic. They would have been young and fucking 
young and fucking successful and loving it, loving life. I didn't know it charted in Australia. That's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know they're, it. Yeah, that's great. Their re- their um their record in Australia, you know, tend to go, tend to go up and down. You, you know they're, yeah. they're, how they how they they were received in Australia. It tend tended to go up and down, whereas obviously in the US it just sort of kept it, it started high and it just it kept going up. You know, yeah. Every every album went platinum, which is that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. The first ones now uh, that that one in nine eighty four, they're diamond albums. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. So, so Zach, um, what's happening for you in 1978 when that first album comes out? It's funny. Like, so 1978, I'm not good at it now, so I don't know how old I was. I was a little boy. Never mind. But I was, I was just right into, I was right into, Ki- into Kiss. Uh, yep. and, and, you know, so it was all about Kiss. I was starting to get the feelers out of other bands. I, I, I think – Really, I didn't. I didn't get Van Halen when I first heard them. I was just too young, and I just, I was still just in love with Kiss because I, you know, the bombs and the explosions and the blood and everything. I, blood, I just didn't yep. get the. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't ready for the musicianship of Van Halen yet. Mm. So, the consequently, the the first two albums didn't make a a big impression on me un, until later when I. Sort of about 1980. I'm going forward a bit, but we can go back. Mm. 1980. I got women and children first, and and then started to get it, and, and then I got the, which I did with a lot of bands, and, and then you get the older albums, and then your mind just explodes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Some sometimes you're not ready to hear albums. You know, you get to that point. Oh, like that's I, right. I remember when Madonna used to put out her records. And it would be like, am I ready to listen yet? I don't know because I loved her. Am I ready to really – it was such a soul thing to actually listen to an album and prepare yourself for what you were going to hear. Oh, yeah. I, I miss those days. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. There's just no industry anymore. When was the first time you saw of Eddie Van Halen? Was it TV? Was it, was it anything like a record or – when did it no, first – No, it, it uh, actually – so, yeah, moving on. I think I think by the time Fair Warning came out, I was just starting to learn guitar. Mm. Up until then, I was sort of playing bass, playing bass and wanting to be Gene Simmons, you know. Mm. <laughs> and then, um, and then I, I remember going over to a high school friend's house, and he just got Fair Warning, and he and he put on Mean Streets, and and that was it. Gone. Awesome. So that's that, that's that's about 981. Cuz I'm loving I'm loving the fact that everyone on Facebook is saying this is when I first saw Eddie Van Halen. Some people have said it was on Night Moves with Lee Simon. Um, a lot of people are explaining where they first actually met or actually realised how amazing he was. And some of yeah. the stories are incredible. Like this one guy on Facebook, I don't know how I'm friends with him, actually was in a hotel room and Eddie knocked on their door when he could hear the Van Halen music playing and had a beer with them, you know, because there was ah, Van Halen music playing. Awesome. He was, ah, that, he was a chirpy great. dude. And they've yeah. got photos like your mate, you know. I can't, I can't remember the first time I saw them because, you know, it was in those days um, Countdown certainly didn't play any Van Halen videos. No. Uh, only 
maybe later when, when it was Jump, you know, I, I don't think they even played Pretty Woman, which actually got it got banned. Um, really? Because at the end, the, the yeah, at the very end, the, the girl takes a wig off and the, uh, and it's a guy. Oh so wow! That was, oh, that's outrageous! Oh, wow! <laughs> Gee, oh, well, that was more so, acceptable in those years, though, wasn't it? I mean, Roxy Music had bloody. It would have been someone at ABC or some someone mm. at the ABC conservative, you know. Yeah, who but knows? Uh, you know that 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 um, live clip that you played at the start of this, which so that's Van Halen um, in Oakland '81. Uh, that was on. Do you remember the show Rock Arena? Yeah, I loved Rock Arena. Um, With Susie. That's when I first saw Van Halen live. Right, oh, wow. that's so, what I was getting at. Yeah, but up until that, I, I yeah, I'd never seen any. Well, you used to have to stay up so late to watch those shows and we would have only been young. But the best musicians they would show on these midnight shows on Channel 2, Rock Arena, even Beatbox, stuff like that, they would show stuff that you wouldn't see. Were these see. Australian shows? Yeah, Rock Arena, wow. yeah. Well, and they were done by ABC? Yep. Fantastic. Yeah, there was Look, only that or bloody um, sounds with Donny Sutherland on a Saturday morning and – I would sit through the whole show just to see, you know, five minutes of, you name it, White Snake or something like that. It was, oh. it was hardly – these bands were never on TV and, and really and, – and I was in Canberra so we only had like two stations and I, I couldn't see anything. There's no no internet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, well, yeah. that's the thing. The internet's fucked it because now Eddie was saying that – people would complain that he wasn't the one that made up the tapping thing. Um, you know, the tapping thing was like, ah, oh, that wasn't Eddie Van Halen, blah, blah, blah. And because of the internet, kids don't know the difference and shit like that, which is a shame because you didn't have anything to rip off. You know, like Eddie said, my guitar style, when he said, you know, other guitarists when they would rip off my style, it was like they took my car out of the driveway, a week later came back with my car and said, do you like my fucking new car? Because they were just ripping <laughs> him off. And I reckon it that that style of the finger tapping, it's, it's obviously come out of him starting as a, a pianist. At the beginning, I don't. I don't think he was the very first guy to, to do it. I, I think just think he popularised it because there's even on on Kiss Alive Two, which came yep. out in 1977. Ace Frehley does a uh, a guitar solo that has a little bit of uh, in Shock Me that has a, uh, an unaccompanied guitar solo that has a bit of tapping in it. And I think uh, somebody else did like. There were people that used to put, throw the odd finger on the on the fretboard and stuff like that, but you know, again, Eddie just—I I don't think he ever said I came up with it. He, he just no, he did. He made right. it. He well, he, did, mastered he innovated, it, he perfected it. You know, that's that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, he said he got it from watching. Was it Jimmy Page with his arm up in the air, and he was on the fretboard with one hand doing the blah blah blah, whatever it is, and then he put the both hands together. That's right. Yeah. But you're right, the classical piano part of it would have been a huge advantage to doing something like that because it was like he was playing a keyboard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Look, um, pushing forward just slightly in time, the following year they would release um, Van Halen 2, um, which went uh, top ten in the US. That would sort of go a little bit further up. Um, uh, and... 
to go a little bit further in 1980, we would have women and children first. This would go top 10 in the US and top 20 in Canada and the UK. So they've made their first sort of, um, after three albums, their first top 20 appearance in the UK as well. There you go. Yeah, so Van Halen 2's probably my all-time favourite. It's um, Everybody cites either the first one or, or Fair Warning or 984, right? Mm. Um, to me, so the first album is almost, it's almost a given and it's almost played out. Like it, th- those songs are just so um, ingrained in in everybody's brain that, I kind of I kind of always go against popularity and 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 I look I love the second album because a there's a there's a little bit of studio trickery with Ed's guitar sound on the first album um, like with the reverb and stuff like that the second album his guitar sound is a lot more raw and a, and a lot more um, brown and I know it's a favorite with there's a guy called Dave Friedman who. He's basically uh, an amp builder. He rebuilt Eddie's famous Marshall. Um, he's, he's built amps for all the famous guitarists. And I watch his podcast and his favourite album is Van Halen too as, as well. It's just got a really cool guitar sound. Um, it's very sort of summertime California. It's got, you know, Dance the Night Away, Beautiful Girls. Um that's that's Van Halen to me. That that summertime California yeah. party band, you know. Mm. I love it. Hey, I've heard the first three albums um, referred to as being the Holy Trinity. Um, hey, you, you touched on something there, Zach, in terms of the um, the sound being brown. Can you elaborate on that for people that wouldn't be familiar with that? So everybody calls. Eddie's guitar sound, the brown sound, which which means, which actually, everybody's getting wrong because Eddie originally said that in an interview when he was talking about Alex's snare. He said, it, he goes, I want, it, um, Alex's snare sounds like a piece of wood, really warm and brown. And, and that's what Eddie's guitar sound sounds like on that album. Um, and people have kind of mistakenly pushed it to the first album but look it's whatever again it's whatever you think but to me Van Halen 2 is the brown sound yeah yeah fantastic alright so pushing forward just slightly into 81 they're very productive young and full of things to say and ideas so they're obviously sort of you know pushing through with their releases all fucking fantastic and iconic obviously uh 81 they would release fair warning uh which zach um mentioned before was uh, i i guess a, a darker sound a darker tone and very um more guitar heavy i guess um this yeah tends it's definitely to their, be, definitely their heaviest album yeah yeah Tends well, to there be was a lot of emotions involved with that as well, with the band and, you know. What were they going through at this time? Well, Dave wasn't – they weren't getting along with Dave. This was the start of the crack in the pavement as far as I've heard. So do you think it's a matter – do you think it's a matter of Eddie really finding himself as a genius guitarist and wanting to focus more on the music and Dave – wanting to branch off more towards uh, essentially what would become his solo career, which was all kind of 
tits and feathers. See, I think Dave had a perspective, absolutely. Mm. Here's the thing that, that people sometimes seem to, seem to forget about Dave, right? Um, Dave is like a lot of – the early Van, early Van Halen would not – they wouldn't have gotten anywhere without Dave. Like he, he was – besides being just the front guy, he, he was really smart. He So Ed – all the songs that were done by the band, Ed would always be writing these riffs and stuff like that. But Dave was the one that would pick and choose what the band would use mm-hmm. and what, what would become what would become the songs. So even in um, Valerie's book, she said Eddie was always really stressed because he was always he'd always be writing and recording in his studio, and he was always worried about Dave liking it because Dave had to like, you know, being a singer, he had to like. Um, what he was going to sell. He had to find a riff that he likes and, and, and I can sing over that bar, bar, bar. Yeah. So that the, the first six albums, are, you know, it's Dave and Eddie and you can see how the music changed so much when, when, when Sammy came into the band and then, and then you get the last one with, uh, with Gary Sharon, which was really that was just Eddie by himself and, and it's kind of – the songs are really long, kind of unfocused um, – I mean, we'll, we'll get to Sammy Hagar, but <laughs> so a lot of the all, all the early songs, like it, it's hundred percent fifty fifty Dave and Eddie. Yeah, yep. And it's good to have that sort of creative rub, isn't it? It's 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 although essentially an artist wants to get all of their ideas through. Um, it's it's actually good to have that creative rub and to have that sort of tier of editing, you know, getting it through, getting it through, uh, getting your ideas through to the next person. Um, it, it can actually really pay off. You know, it does actually really, really pay off. The thing yeah. with Dave, because I've watched maybe 10 hours of interviews and shit and I was a little bit Van Hager. I was a bit... I liked Sammy, but I do now looking at it, Dave was much more suited to Van Halen because he was a little bit more of a business guy. He looked after the artwork. He made sure no one was ripping the band off a little bit, which you always sort of need in that situation because in those days there wasn't only the success, you had a lot of money to look after. You couldn't just leave a fucking band like you would a cover band, you know? Mm. Yeah, they they were initially signed to for the first two albums a, a really really bad deal, right? And um, their manager he did something really smart. He 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 kept bugging the record company um, incessantly till they would stop taking his calls. Right? He kept kind of uh, I don't, what do you call it a subterfuge? Like he would keep bugging them and keep them busy. And what happened was he let the band's contract run out. So the day right. he went in to see the head, the head of the Warners, Mo Austin, um, he told him, well, you know, the contract's run out. Uh, Mo Austin went mental and realised he had to uh, renegotiate a new deal for the band and so they got a really, really good deal after that. Holy shit. That's awesome. Fucking hell. Would that have made Dave stay a bit longer, do you think? Oh, look, the, Dave left because of Dave, Dave's ego. Like he wanted to uh, make a movie. Yeah, he wanted to be an actor. I heard about that. I can't yeah, believe that. Yeah, right. Okay. Fuck, singers right. that want to be actors. It's just something that happens. Crazy from the heat. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, it's the, 
the job of a singer is in a way the job of an actor. You, you know, but, yeah, well, but that's true. at the end of the day, you're going to be better at one than the other, you know. I, uh, yeah. what, did, did Dave do anything with his acting? Probably a horror movie. No, um, it, it, got, it got as far as uh, casting apparently. Oh, Jesus. Like a, a lot of the trouble people say started when um, Eddie married Valerie Bertinelli, right? Wow. Because, yeah. Um, apparently up until then, Dave always wanted to marry uh, like a movie star. Ah. And then suddenly, suddenly, like it was just jealousy because suddenly, um, so Eddie started winning every guitar award. He, 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 he married basically at the time she was America's she sweetheart. She was hot, absolutely. Is that um, right? And then they were on the cover of all the, all the magazines and then he did um, the Beat It guitar solo. Uh, you know, he, he was like he was ginormous. And and the ginormous. namesake of the band as well. Yeah. So it was something to frustrate old Dave. Uh, interesting. Well, it's All lead right. singer syndrome though. Like lead singers, you really have to sometimes pull them back a little bit and go, hey, mate, how about you fucking look at it this way? There is a syndrome and there's a good oh, podcast yeah. well, called Lead Singer Syndrome. Some of them Eddie can handle Eddie used to say they all themselves. had um, LSD. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie started that. He, he used to say all singers have LSD. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I agree. I agree. I've worked Fuck, with many and I know that I watch myself, you know. I really watch my own way that I – you know, do things and I make sure that I give everyone space. But fuck, mate, if you can't get in, sometimes that can be a very hard situation to run a band. Of course. You look at Axel and Slash, you know. Well, there's, there's – you could go – like, like, look, Mick and Keith, um, Axel, Slash. Uh, there's a whole list of – um, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant. Yep. Um, that, that's the thing that they – is it yin and yang that that, that singer guitarist thing that you need that friction to make something great because it's the, the the pushing and the pulling and the um yeah yeah absolutely all right let's dot through eighty two we're up to with diver down that would be their next release this went to number three so we're sort of climbing even higher okay so th- that album that album was re- a reaction to. Fair warning, not not selling well. So they decided to um, – th- there's, there's about maybe f- I think four covers on that album. Yes, four covers, that's right. That People didn't like this, did they? Yeah, so a lot of people think that's the worst of the, the, the Dave era albums. Um, look, I, I actually try not to rant. I, I, I love it because, because the, the originals – the originals that are on that album are, are really good. Absolutely. And didn't that inspire him to get the 5150 studio so that no that, one could tell right. him what to do? Yeah. That, yeah. So he could then – I mean this this is when Ed sort of started spiralling down the, the, the drinking and the, um, the drug taking because once, um, once he got his studio, um, he was in there – all the time. Yeah, well, that's right. He lived in there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, did you enjoy 
there was there was some footage I watched yesterday about him in the fifty one fifty studio with all the tapes and stuff of all his work, and he said I've got to get someone to sort that out. He hasn't had time to do that. He wrote so much fucking material, didn't he? Yeah, well, that's something that the fans have been um, going nuts about over the years because because he was Eddie was Eddie was so private, so he was you know he was never on social media. He might have posted no. a pic. Once a year, which was probably his wife. Yeah. Um, so the, the things that the fans have wanted for years is they're saying that there must be a live album with Dave from back in the day somewhere. There's got to be um, some live gigs. There's it, it, Everybody knew that he'd recorded so much stuff and they're like, just please just put out a, a box set of something. So it looks like that um, his son and his brother are going to actually go through the stuff. and Right. And hopefully that, that was the thing I thought of when I saw that footage. I thought, fuck, I wonder if it's still in that situation where they have got it all up in the studio and that would be something that they would have to look at finishing, I guess. Yeah, because I know even um, around – they've done a few failed uh, reunion attempts with Dave, even around 2000. Apparently they recorded about five songs but they never yeah. did anything with them. So – there's got to be outtakes, like there's got to be, like hopefully there will be a whole bunch of stuff coming out. That would be, you know, the one silver lining to his passing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. All right. So we're up to 84. So it's the first, uh, I guess the first release where we've got, um, you know, a, a bit of a gap before the next release. Apart from this, it's sort of year after year, every year an album. We're up to 84 now, so from 82 to 84, with the album 1984. This is quite a departure with their sound, or, or, or just a bit of a tweak, bit of a change, a lot more synth, obviously. Uh, this album would go to number two in the US. This would be their first number one album in Canada. But it was top 20 all around the world. Top 20 all throughout Europe, UK, all around the world. Um, so Dave did not want Eddie to – did not want to do Jump because he did That's not right, want Eddie to that. play key- keyboards. Because that was what? written three years before. Oh. Jump was written years, like three years before this album. So Dave didn't like it. No, he, did, he he wanted Eddie to stick to guitar because he said you're a guitar hero. Get off the keyboards. Fuck. Okay. All right. I would have thought this even, would have been even, right um, up Dave's alley. Even the even the producer Ted Templeman to this day, um, he said he hates jump because um, I'm glad it was a hit because but I still I still wanted Eddie to be a guitar hero. See, I love jump because. It's got that, I mean, Jump, the solo in Jump is not an easy keyboard solo to fucking play. I know because I we do it in our band. I'm not sure if we've done it with you. And Oh, yeah. You know how many times, I, the, the, so many drummers yeah. stuff up that bit under it's the guitar solo and just, <laughs> yeah. just make you look like an idiot. <laughs> I know. I know. It's lucky that you're so calm, Zachy, on stage because I think it's happened to us even. Or maybe not us, but I have – the one thing, when people play Jump, you can't program it, you can't put it on a, a click track because it is a different timing in that section where the drums 
break down. But hearing a fucking keyboard patch that people use, it's always fucking horrible. And the guitarist is always horrible and the drummer is always horrible. It's just one of those songs where you go, no, fucking don't do jump. And you've been in a band of mine that I was in as well that couldn't fucking play it if their ass was on fire. But bloody Muso still give it a go. See, the thing is, though, you, you, you're, looking, you're looking at, you know, one of the most iconic guitarists in history. You're looking at a drummer with four kick drums. Um, it, 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 to, to, to try to sort of emulate it, to try to play it in a tribute band or a cover band, it's, it's a big ask, you know? Not for us. Yeah, look, uh, uh, unfortunately, because of Dave and Eddie, um, Alex gets overlooked and he's a, he, you know, he should be up there with everybody. He's a great drummer. Fucking absolutely. Um, Does he have four kick drums? Well, on each he, didn't side? Play for, he didn't play four, but he okay. had four up there. Wow. He had a fire extinguisher <laughs> he had four up, up there. Yeah, yeah. Good on him. I've had four up there. Oh, ah. God. There <laughs> uh, it is. Probably two nights ago. All right, so, you know, this album, 1984, big iconic hit songs. Big iconic hit songs that sort of reaching right in through to the mainstream. Obviously, Jump, we've just talked about. Panama as well. Uh, Hot for Teacher, which is my brother Gray's uh, favourite Van Halen song. Um, you know, it, it was a big, commercial, colourful album, wasn't it? Oh, it was, it was all over the place. Like you could not, could not escape Van Halen around that that era. Yeah, you know, they, they were well, pretty much. You can blame MTV were, for that as well. They were monstrous, and mm. you know it's one thing their manager and and Ted Teppelman says, if they stayed together for one more album, um, they would have, they would have been, they would have been like a, a sort of. He said they would have been. What was his words? Like like a legacy. Like like a. A Led Zeppelin, like they were ready, yeah. Because up until then, they'd only been doing arenas, right? But after that, if they kept, if they did one more album, they would have been like a stadium act, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm just spewing they never properly filmed like that tour. They, there's no like, I remember watching the Panama clip, and there's a lot of live footage on that. I, mm. I remember going as, as a kid, oh, great, they filmed a show, yeah. they're gonna put out a, a live concert. Video, VHS, you know? Yeah, yeah. But no, but no. Well, it would be after this tour that um, that Dave would leave the band, wouldn't it? Yeah, so what he did was <laughs> apparently he, he went and recorded his... On, on the break after the tour, or, or they were, maybe they were still touring or something, but that's when he went and did that EP, Crazy From The Heat. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. With the California Girls and Justice yeah. Gigolo and... Oh, God. Um... And and he would he would play it to the band and, and people were like okay Dave, um, unfortunately the problem here's the problem that EP did really well. Yeah, that's right, it did. Yeah, it fucking did. Yeah, and yeah, so and that was it. That Dave thought he could do he, he, the Dave show. Well, that's well, it because I remember seeing Californian Girls as a little girl, and I wanted to be those chicks in the bikinis, man. Like that was all that they were. He was like. Up there with Madonna and Michael Jackson at this stage. That's right. You know, he was huge. And the thing was, it shouldn't have worked, but it fucking did. And that's the frustrating thing for Van Halen because they really didn't know he was going to leave. 
No, apparently Eddie was, you know, in tears. He goes, oh, Dave, Dave's left and... So what did he really do? just show the demos and go, oh, these are my demos? Or did he actually say, hey, guys, I've got something to fucking show you. I might be going on my own album. Or did he or did he just do that no, fucking... Was, look, he was just going to do an EP, you know. Like, it, it was... Because the, the band was having a, a break because I think the 984 tour was huge. And also on that tour, they, they really weren't... They really weren't getting on well anymore. No. Yeah. Um, so they just they, they were ha- having a break from each other. I get quite frustrated watching them doing their interviews because that pull and pull of hating someone in your band so much and having to be interviewed about it is that horrible feeling. Even on my level, I've felt that before. Um, and it would be twice as hard with a fucking shitload of money behind you. It just felt so frustrating and a little bit too close to home for me. Bands are hard, man. Oh fuck yeah! It's like it's like have it's like being married to five people. Yeah, you know it's fucking so full on. Hey, um, we're up to about the 1985 territory. 1985 would be the year that Back to the Future was released. Do you know much about the link between Back to the Future and Van Halen, Zachy? How dare you ask me? (laughs) Exactly. It's rhetorical, of course. He knows everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I do. Go ahead, mate. So, um, well, you remember the the, the scene where he goes in with the... Did he say, I am Darth Vader? Is that what he says in that scene? My name is Darth Vader. Because oh. he, so he goes into his, you know, his father's bedroom. I think he's dressed up as, and, and he puts that cassette in that says Van Halen, and he, and he puts the headphones on him, and and it's just like it, he switches on, and, and it's like Eddie doing all whammy noise and Alex's drums and then he stops and I think I think he goes, I am Darth Vader. I think he's forcing his dad to go on a date with his mum or something. Okay. There you go. But, but, but Would it's that obviously, make that song huge? Obviously Marty McFly's biggest guitar hero is Eddie Van Halen. Oh, yeah, when he does the solo, he, when he falls on the ground and does the tapping and the... Remember that scene too? Like, and then the crowd stops and he goes, don't worry, your kids will love it. And doesn't he put? Doesn't he put the? Yes, that's right. Doesn't he put the tape in? Doesn't he actually put the tape in? And you see a shot of the tape, yeah. and it's got. Doesn't it yeah, have yeah. Van Halen that's right. on it? Yeah, that's right. It's, oh, this is Van Halen or Eddie Van Halen. I think it's his Van Halen. But I'm, I remember I, as a kid seeing that. And they were just like jams. It was just Van Halen noodling, wasn't it? It wasn't from anything in particular. It was just. It was just Eddie. Yeah, no, it was just it was, it was just sort of noise, like Eddie Eddie just hitting his whammy bar, and you know, yeah, it was noise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, you, it was instinctively um, Eddie. You could tell it was Eddie within two seconds. Yeah, this is the thing. You knew it was Eddie straight away as soon as you heard it. You didn't need it sort of explained to you. It, it's you just heard it, and it was Eddie. That's the thing. Like you know, this this whole week there's been. As there, as there are, and I'm, I'm not bagging anybody here, but 
there's been heaps of people doing eruption all, all, all on social media. Exactly. Tell me about it. And I can't watch it. I can't watch it. I, I don't – I've kind of never even liked hearing people – obviously nobody can play like Eddie and there's just one Eddie and I, I, I just can't watch it. No, yeah. it's horrible. Mm. It's fucking horrible. I mean <laughs> – I, I've watched guitarists for fucking 35 years now try and take off Eddie Van Halen and I fucking want to say, can't have a baby and shut the fuck up. <laughs> right? I just can't. I've got no – you know me, Zachy. You've worked with me. I've got no patience and it's like, dudes, even Toto, fucking shut up. But you, <laughs> different story, different story. And I'm not just pulling your dick here. It is a different story with you. Because we went fucking, when we did it at the, the bloody, where were we? The Australian Open, we did um, fucking Dreams. It went fucking viral with you playing that solo. We had to pull it down in Japan. <laughs> it went fucking viral in Japan. It's funny, you know, um, you know you're saying singing um, – I've known, played in a few bands with girls and obviously they prefer, it's easier for them to sing the Sammy Hagar stuff because I guess the Dave stuff is, half of it is talk and swagger too. Yeah. And it's yeah. low. Yeah, character. So it's, it's not. And there's, they don't yeah, have the range. Like, that's right. It's, Dreams it's, you know, is da- a high song. Dave said his vocals sound like a truck driving down a dirt road with four flat tyres. <laughs> 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 that's pretty good. I like that's so cool. That's pretty good. Hey, look, we're at a little bit of a turning point here. Uh, you mentioned Mean Street was your favourite song. Let's just play a little bit of Mean Street out there for everyone at home and then we'll come back and go further. <laughs> Okay, we're up to 1986. Dave has left Van Halen. Dave has left Van Halen. Do you know much about uh, how they sourced Sammy Hagar? It's kind of folklore now. Uh, um, apparently, you know, Eddie uh, took his Lamborghini or Ferrari into Claudio. That's and right. He, 
Uh, why are you so bummed out? Uh, I'm looking for a singer. Uh, you should give Sammy Hager a call. Hey. That's about it. Wow. Fucking yeah. hell. There we go. So it was his, he, was, he was the one that fucking directed that whole situation. Because he was in there with his Lamborghini or some shit, wasn't he? Yeah, look, I, I, I was – I don't know if all of it's really true. Knowing Sammy Hagar, like, I – everybody would have known around town that David left and I reckon Sammy put the word out. Of course. Of right, course. okay. But Eddie does say it this way as well. And Sammy says, oh, I knew you'd fucking call me. Remember he, he brings that one-liner in. Sammy frustrates me a bit. Yeah, me too. I've heard that you're not that you're not a Sammy fan, Zachy. Look, um, he's an amazing singer, technically Mm. an amazing singer, Mm -hmm. Um, and and at the time, you know, all through all through the Sammy years, I absolutely loved that era of the band. Yep. Um, But for me, it it hasn't aged well. Right. Yep. Yeah. And and Sammy's lyrics are just so cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. And look, that's that's just my. I'm. I'm you know, I'm, it's cool. But every, every time, like, there's some great songs there, but I just don't connect with it like I do with the, the Dave stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, we, we're sort of, um, you know, we're, I'm looking at stats here. Um, 86, they would release 5150. Is that how you say it? 5150? I guess you do. Yep. Um, yeah. And um, which was named after Ed's studio, of course. Um, you know what's funny? Here's another, here's another little thing. Like, like, so I was saying to somebody the other day, like, there's probably in my life been a Van Halen moment. Every day, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, from the wallpaper to my my phone, my oh. my son's middle name, or my yes. I was going to ask you to tell everyone your son's middle name. Darren, the the drummer in Chokasafi, he, he grabbed my phone once during rehearsal, and, and he was fi- wanted to film something, and he looked at me and he goes, "What's your passcode, Toby?" And I said, "What do you reckon?" And, and he, he put that in, of course. And he, <laughs> I reckon Island. every guitarist. Every so many guitarists I know that said pin code for things or you know. But every I love day, type fifty one fifty. It's like you know, a little bit of Van Halen every day. I love your son's name because you don't only have Halen. You have what's the was it Ace as well Ace. as in yeah Ace. yeah. It's such a musical name. It's such the son <laughs> of a muso's name. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> is he? Is Jack starting to play Halen at the moment? Because I saw you put a photo he up. Is. Babe. Wow! Yeah, he's um, at the, since last week he, he he went and started teaching himself the the, the tapping bit in eruptions. So I'm like, he's <laughs> in, it's something in my house learning eruption. Yeah, but you know that's cute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, totally. The uh, other totally. cunts aren't cute. They're <laughs> fucking shit. Yeah. Right? I'm sorry out there if you're a guitarist. I'd tell you you were shit if you were shit. Good on him for fucking <laughs> giving it a go. Good on him no, for fucking yeah. having a go. Shut up. <laughs> oh look! Everybody wants to do a tribute in the, in their own way, and and that's cool. Uh, um, I just can't watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's I, right. I mean, the pandemic. If one thing I've hated about Facebook is people putting fucking songs up, I just want to fucking kill them. <laughs> yeah. Some it's... of them are great, but some of them are like, do you really need to be looked at that much? <laughs> I've had a ball. I've had a ball with the, the time um, off. I've really 
the pandemics uh, made me look at how much time I spend on social media, and I've really totally. cut it. I've cut it down heaps because it was, it was. It's well, I, I was doing it too much, and I feel better for it. Well, I missed your birthday because I can't look at Facebook. I've got a top ten dumb fuck on Facebook at the moment, and I just can't watch. Just with the politics and all that stuff, I can't watch it anymore. Nah, nah. I've got a. Well, I've that, got you're a, right. That's that's what's, you know, the the politics and the um, you know, oh, oh, that's just that's driven me off as well as me. the yeah. yeah the cons- the conspiracy theories and oh. the, for fuck's sake. Top ten wanker list, mate. You know what? You just got to fucking worry about that. There are t- there are certain times when you just need to worry about your people and the people that you love and take care yeah. of your inner circle and not fucking worry about what people are thinking and worrying about on the other side of the fucking earth and even on the other side of the city. It's not fucking exactly. real. It's not part of your world and we've. it's That's only right. come yeah. into our consciousness in the last – uh, you know, fifteen years or so. It, it's, yeah, that's it's it. just bullshit. I, I've, I'm, um, I've got a film to record and edit and release in a month's time, and I'm seriously fucking thinking of just jumping off all social media. I just can't do deal with the fucking negative energy. It's just the antithesis oh. of creative energy. You know, it's the opposite. Fucking hell. I'm with you. I'm with you a hundred percent there. Like. Uh, I don't know if, if I don't know if you're the same, but you know I've noticed this with a few musos that everybody would have thought during this time off that They'd love bands it. or, or cr- creative people would have written a whole album's worth of stuff. Yeah, I've I've found it really hard to be creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you're not going to sit there and whinge about it, Zachy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a different thing. Like I've I've known some musos and. They're so annoying on Facebook. I would never fucking work with them again because it's like, are you kidding that you think this and you think that? The only reason I looked at Facebook the other day was because of Eddie's death and that's when I start going, oh, God, I've got to get off it. And running a band, you do need social media. But the fact that people are blaming the pandemic for mental health, yes, I agree with a certain amount of that, but the mental health thing is coming from fucking Facebook, mate. Fuck yeah, absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely. Like give that a fucking crack and get off it and maybe you'll be just a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Moving to the country. I'm moving to the country and I'm get, I'm getting on fucking social media. Anyway, let's jump back on, guys. 5150, it went to number one in the US. Two years later in 88. OU812 went to number one in the US as well. So in terms of stats, these are their, you know, these are their big number one albums. Didn't they have more number one albums with Hagar than they did with Halen? Well, yes. That's correct. They did. Yeah. But, wow. Yeah, um, but like that surprised more. me, that's all. The Dave albums sold more though. Right. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, it does. Talk about these two for a second. Talk about fifty one fifty and um, OU eight one two. They're they're great fun party summertime albums. I absolutely loved both of them. Um, fifty one fifty was it was huge when it came out. I remember when I first heard "Why Can't This Be Love." I I didn't like the song at all because mm. I was like, um, 
then I got the album and 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 then the song made sense and, and then I liked the song kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, at, at the time, that was still my favourite band. And and I, I remember thinking because Dave put out Eat 'Em and Smile, and I remember going, "Cool, I've got two favourite bands now." Mm. Yeah, well, so I it wasn't anti one. Were they on the same record company, David Lee Roth and Van Halen? Is that how it worked or how did that happen? Yeah, they were on Warner Brothers. Right. And is I watched some videos of David Lee Roth's band. Is that Steve Vai in the band with him? Yes. Fucking Are you hell. kidding me? Yeah, so he's worked with I'm Steve Vai and Eddie Van Halen. Well, yeah, they, they, so that, he couldn't that, really do anything else, could he? If you've worked that with band Eddie he Van put Halen. together was... That band he put together was one of the most badass bands of all time. Wow. Like, that album, that kind of Eat 'em and Smile is like, it sounds like the, where Van Halen might have went next. Like it, it's very Van Halen, yeah. obviously because they used the, the, the same producer Ted Templeman, and it's got a few little funny cover songs on it, and um, it's much more hard rock than Fifty One Fifty, but um, they're, they're both really good albums. Yeah, yeah. It would have been uh, tough in the later part of the 80s to have an album like this when you've sort of grown your sound, you know, you, you've started your sound in, in 78 uh, and, and to, to, to be hitting number one um, 10 years later. Yeah, look, um, here's the thing I was saying before. Like, So, so the, the, the style of songs changed with Sammy and... Now, some people go, uh, you can't blame Sammy because that's what Eddie was writing. But the, obviously, Eddie would be uh, giving him stuff and Sammy probably would have uh, been into whatever he, he gave him. And So Eddie didn't have a guy at, at that time with Sammy saying no like Dave would have. So, you know, um, there was no... What's the word? Uh, quality. No, I won't say quality control because that's putting down the, the Sammy stuff. But do you know what I'm trying to get yeah, at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the creative rub. Well, yeah, it's a dynamic. They, you know, they, they that got on really well. It's a dynamic that is really hard to to balance with musicians. You know, like you first meet someone. Sammy obviously had a career of his own before this. We all know that. But when he met Van Halen or Eddie. You've got to find your way, you know. They just sort of threw each other in up against the wall and it would have been really difficult to say no, you know, at the start. Yeah, and, you know, they, they were obviously partying a lot. There's a lot of, lot of cocaine going along and, you know, everybody's happy. Let, let's just write this album and go back out on tour and, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. not, re- not, re- not really a lot of... Uh, again, I'm not going to say there's no thought in it, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it's hard for us mere mortals to kind of go into the psychology of it because their lives would have been absolutely incredible. You know, their, 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 reali- their day-to-day reality and especially their touring reality, it's unfathomable, you know, it's unimaginable. I think obviously Eddie wanted to grow as a songwriter as well, you know, so mm. um, wanted to do other things. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys know who the, um, you know, the co-producer of 5150 was? Who? Mick Jones from Foreigner. Mick Jones from Foreigner. Well, they toured with the Foreigners, didn't they, and people like Autograph and all that kind of stuff. 
Fucking hell, really? Jesus. Um, I don't know. Like when they, I don't. They always had weird opening acts. <laughs> Pretty much after the second album came out, they were a headline act for mm. from then on in. Except once in I think '95, they went to Europe and supported Bon Jovi. Can you believe it? Yeah. Right. Well, they kind of tried to say that people were too afraid to be their support act, that they were afraid that they'd get blown off the fucking stage if they supported Van Halen. But I don't know how true that is. Oh, look, it probably came from in the beginning on the, on their first tour, they were supporting Black Sabbath who That's were right. on their last legs and they went out every night and just destroyed them. Right. Even Black Sabbath were like, how the hell do we – if you see any, there are videos on YouTube of them from 78 and 79 and I should send them to you guys. Like It's like, oh my, how the, it's the, one of the greatest live acts of all time. Absolutely. You see it and go, you just go, my God, this was happening in 1978. Fuck yeah. So. Yeah. I read this like fantastic sort of fan written uh, description of what one of their shows was like and. On online and it was just incredible. It was just incredible. It's just like, you know, the description of it, the reality yeah, of Star it. Yeah, Mike from Steel Panthers said that, that, yeah, seeing them in 81, he said it's the greatest concert he's ever seen in his life. Because I think Eddie used to put a lot of money into the show. So he used to take the sales from the albums and then the live oh, shows wow. they used to just break even because he'd put fucking so much money and pump more lights and more whatever. Into the that show. was all. That was all. Um, that was all. Dave and this this guy called Pete Angelus, I think. Say so, so. So, have you seen the Dave videos where the um, he's he, they were the fabulous Picasso brothers, and Dave was really fat, and he's got his a guy next to him going, "Forget about it, Dave." You, you, you know, there's from um, just a gigolo. You ever seen that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's the guy that used to be the, the Van Halen. I think he was the Van Halen lighting director or something like that. And him and Dave used to design all the stage shows and the and the videos and and stuff like that. So they well, that's they where lived all their together for a little while because he was dating Tawny Katan. Pete Angelos was dating her, and they lived and and Dave was living with the both of them because yeah, she right. went on tour for three years. I I mean that's what I've heard on. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she went on tour for three years with Pete because I think Pete ended up being the manager or something, didn't he? In the long run. I don't know. He, no, I think he moved on to the Black Crows. Black Crows, yeah. Interesting times, mate. All right. So we've covered all of our 80s albums with Van Halen. They would go on in 91 to do the Fuck album for un- Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, of course. That went to number one. In 95, they would do Balance, which went to number one. And that was it for Hagar, I believe, um, before they would then uh, go with their next singer, Gary Cherron. I don't know much about him, but because it's 90s territory, I'm not even going to bother. Remember, do you remember the band Extreme? Uh, everybody would know that. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so he was a singer of Extreme. That's right. And and um, Eddie really wanted that to work, didn't he? Yeah, because I think his famous quote from that era was, if, if this doesn't work, I'm going to give up guitar and take up the tuba. Because he, <laughs> he, yeah, he would mention LSD a lot in lead singer disease a lot in the interviews from that era and, 
you know, this is kind of his last attempt. And and then after after this tour, Eddie Eddie went down a hole of Eddie went really bad there for a, 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 a you know a few years. If you've seen pictures of Eddie from that era, he looks like death on two legs. Oh my god! So Zachy, did you ever meet Eddie? No. So so that that gig. Well, no, I didn't. And, and oh. I've always um, I've had opportunities to meet a lot of my heroes, but I actually always declined to do it because I feel like a I feel like a dickhead. Of I met, course, yep. I think I, I met um, the Kiss guys once, and you're like, "What do you say to them?" I, I went exactly. up and got a photo. Yeah. With, what do you say? Yep. It's easier for you a chick. And and I'd rather not meet them. Oh, he, okay. Here's a funny story. Um, in 1988 or 89. Um, David Leroth came to Canberra <laughs> and did his skyscraper tour. <laughs> so we did he get the key to Canberra, <laughs> but from the Prime Minister? No, but he, no? he came out on a surfboard that was held by these four guys that carried him through the crowd. Vaguely remember this. Mm. And four um, guys, of course. The next day, me and my buddy went went to the hotel because we wanted to get our guitars signed by Steve Vai because we just. We just worshipped Steve I and we were like, we're going to go get it blessed. So we went to the hotel, waited in the morning. The, the, the band all come out. They, Steve I signed my guitar. They're all waiting on the bus. Dave comes down. I'm like, fuck, I might as well get his autograph. I said, hey, Dave, can you sign my guitar? And he goes, fuck off, Australian. And just walked You're oh! kidding. <laughs> Love it. Love it. How old were you? Oh, 21. Fuck off, and Australian. Fuck off, Australian. Oh, And Gis gets in the back of the bus. <laughs> but me and my mate looked at, looked at each other and we went, David Lee Roth told us to fuck off. How cool. Mate, exactly. <laughs> I was not upset one bit. That's I just what went, it was oh, well, like. He's having, a, he's having a bad day, I guess. Well, you know, you weren't a chick, buddy. Yeah. If it had been a chick with That's a guitar. Like, Fuck off. That's Australian. like Marilyn Manson walking up to Maddie and Maddie had absinthe in the bottom of a bottle or something. And Mar is in the store. I wish he was here now. Marilyn Manson walking up to Maddie, grabbing the well, bottle was and there. just sculling the end of it. Zach Were you? Yeah. In in body. <laughs> in body you were there? In in body. Mostly. <laughs> mostly yeah. Oh, that was a debaucherous tour. I can't I can't remember a lot of it. And of course, um, uh, Zachy was in Mandy Kane with Matty, um, and Mandy Kane supported Marilyn Manson, and they sort of hung out with him a fair bit. I remember and, the, the and band. And what happened? This little anecdote. The band sounded amazing live, but I remember mm. at Soundcheck sussing it all out that they were playing to so many. Like it was all sequences coming out the front. It was yeah. they were basically playing to mm. to the CD of the album, but it yeah. sounded in, it yeah. sounded incredible. But a lot of it wasn't live. Yeah, no, yeah, that's Marilyn Manson. Yeah, but what did he say? Didn't he swill? Didn't he like sink the end of the bottle? And then when he realised there was only like fucking three fingers at the bottom of it. He he just looked at you both and like went, you guys are motherfuckers or something and walked off. I think he was kept asking people to get him coke too. 
That's what you do, I guess, when you're sort of abroad and you're a well, rock star. Well, why doesn't he get a lackey to do it? Why does he have to walk around asking the Part support Part of the fucking record deal, isn't it, to get your coke off the fucking rider? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a bit reductive, isn't it? Yeah. Zaki, yeah. did Eddie Van Halen, you know how Steve Vai and um, the other dude, fucking Joe Satriani, had their own solo albums out? Did he ever do a solo album or not? No, he was asked a lot, a lot of that, a lot in guitar magazines, and he always said um, Van Halen albums are my solo albums. Yeah, he did consider at one point. He did consider doing. Um, remember, Santana did that album that had that hit, whatever it's called. Is it called Smooth <sighs> with Rob Thomas? Yeah, yeah. Smooth. He was like, I hate it. Yeah, he was so. I think he did ponder doing an album with different, a whole bunch of different singers. Thank God he didn't. I mean, it would have been a lot cooler than the Santana one. Well, Santana, yeah. Happy, yeah, ne- happy to never hear that song again. Oh, fuck! I hate so it. Jewish oh my God, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking horrible. <laughs> fucking hell! Look, um, uh, Zaki, do you know much about just to sort of round things off as we get towards the end of the show? Do you, do you? Know much about you know the last year of Eddie's life? Um, well, I only know from you know what's been on the internet. So they were in two thousand and nineteen. They were going to apparently their manager uh, Irving Azov. You, you know he is like the he said they were going to reunite with the original lineup. And apparently it, it, it had got as far as, I think, just um, phone calls. Um, but then right. Eddie got sick again. So he, he had, I think, three or four big brushes with cancer. The, the, the first time they cut out a bit of his tongue and, and he, he fought, fought back. But he, here's a, a, the, the saddest thing I read the other day in, in Valerie's book. I, I reread it. The very first time he got that bit cut out of his tongue... The doctor said, do not ever have one cigarette again. The cancer will come back. fuck. And he just kept smoking and smoking. Of course he did. And then then when they reunited with Dave, he he went back again. And then I think three times. But then, yeah, I think the last last year he was – there was rumours everywhere that this time he was really sick. And there's there's two pictures on the internet – when you know that how people look when they're going through chemo, of, yeah. of, of Eddie with that that full chemo look, and man, that I remember seeing that and that that broke my heart. It does. And I was like, yeah. man, yeah. I was like, man, I don't think he's got long. Were you prepared yeah. for it, honey? Like, because he didn't he have it on and off for twenty years or something? Yeah, I think since um, yeah, two, around two thousand. Well, and, and you're never prepared, prepared, are you? No, because I, he'd always fought it off, and apparently he'd been taking these flights to Germany to to, to do this. Um, I think it was like stem cell treatment because yeah, yeah. He even helped um, Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath. He had uh, is it called lymphoma or something? Or yeah, he had some sort yep. of cancer. Yeah. So he was doing this treatment, um, and he was doing well. But I, I think in the last. Beginning of this year, I, I think it 
all started to turn. And, yeah, I, I think even in the last 72 hours he, he was taken to hospital. I, I think he just – he had his brother, his son – his his wife and he, and Valerie with him all were I heard with that him Valerie when he, when was with him, yeah. Yeah. Now Valerie to me, they looked the same. Eddie and Valerie looked like fucking look alike lovers. It was like they were fucking kindred spirits, those two. Yeah, well, you know, that she says in a book in the end that they, they couldn't live together because A, because of Eddie's sort of substance abuse and um but they were always they always loved each other. That they had a great kid, and um, they were always friends. Um, I think they were more of a brother and sister in in the end, you know. Well, sometimes if you're super close to someone and you're sort of meant to be on the planet together, it may not work out. You know, it can be a soul connection that just misses, and it's best not to fight that shit. You just go out your separate ways and just keep friends. Not pe- not many people can do that though. That's right. And do you um, – Wolfie was going to bring out an album, Honey. Do you know if that will be coming out? He never did it before yeah, his so dad n- died. Now I know why because he, he'd been teasing it for the for the last year mm. and all, all the fans are saying, Wolfie, now I know why it hadn't come out because obviously his dad had gotten really sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's – I've – I've heard him – he's an amazing drummer. He played drums on this guy – Called Clint Lowry's album, so he's a killer drummer, he's a killer bass player. I'm sure he's a killer guitarist. Um, and, and I could hear, yeah, his backing vocals when he was playing live with Van Halen were great. So I, I, I'm sure it'll come out when the time's right. I think the, the another theme that I see with Eddie, which is even stronger than the music theme, was fatherhood. Like it was all about his father. It was all about Wolfie. There's a huge line of fathers and, and brothers that he just had such a strong connection to music but also a family man. And I think that's really commendable with someone as big as, you know, someone in Van Halen. Yeah, that's well, probably the, why he was so happy. That's yeah, well, that's <laughs> you know? that's the only reason he apparently he went out again with um, Wolfie David Lee Roth in yeah. when was that that reunion two thousand and eight I think it was. Um, mm. He Wolfie apparently you could see it in his eyes when Wolfie was fifteen and apparently he went away and and learnt all the Van Halen catalog on bass. And I think when Eddie realised he could do it with Wolfie, he got a new sort of lease on life. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. And it's really sad that, if that's you see. Incredible. Uh, I follow Wolfie on Instagram, and since you know Eddie's passing, he's just been putting up these really awesome pictures of him and his dad all through his life. You know, when he's little, or oh, it's, it's fucking you know, horrific. Wow. It's fuck. I mean, we lost my yeah. sister-in-law six months ago, and. My brother has now two children that are 13 and 15 and it's heartbreaking to see a family just fall apart and have to rebuild their own their own thing again, you know, and it's fucked up. I just wish he had gotten through the cancer thing because there could have been so many more fantastic years. But sometimes you're here for a certain time and you're like a star and you disappear and you've done all you need to do. Yeah. That's right. Look at the life that he led in the time that he was here, you know, just so phenomenal and, and reaching so many people around the world, not just musicians but, um, you know, a whole generation or two. Just incredible. 
Yeah, I, I think his manager said too that there's lots of um, stuff he did behind the scenes that people don't know about, you know, like working for donating, you know, thousands of guitars and, and money to people and, and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. What an amazing guy. What an amazing – yeah, look, what an amazing show, Zach. Thank you for coming on and having a, a, a chat with us, mate. Like really, it's, it's obvious, as I said, uh, while we're having a break – uh, everyone out there, it's obvious why we had Zach Zedras on the on the show tonight, um, and I hope you've enjoyed our little chat about Eddie great. Van Halen. Um, I don't want to sort of, you know, I don't want to sort of end with anything other than music. So Zach, have a think about a song that you'd like to play out with. Is there anything in particular? Yes. Wow. Um, awesome. It doesn't even have Eddie's guitar on it, but but play Happy Trails. Happy Trails. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Awesome, awesome. Oh, well, let's just do the little um, – let's just polish the show off, do our little sort of bit of promo and then we'll play out with that. Um, guys, if you love the show, if you love the 80s montage, please like, share, rate and review. Give us five stars. Jump on board and join us on Patreon. You can come on board as a subscriber for as little as a dollar, a dollar a month. And, you know, it's like you're a shareholder in the company. For $10 a month, you get extra episodes. And they're funny. We're always pissed as we farts are. when we do them and they're very funny. And we should funny. get Zachy yeah? on a Patreon later on when this COVID thing's over. You can come over and do a Patreon. Absolutely. We'll have a sure. barbie and get pissed. Zachy can make bolognese for us. It'll be great. <laughs> Unreal. Fantastic. Good on you guys. And also our website. Um, Thank you. Our website, the80smontage.com. Any show you want to hear again, you can look at that and uh, just have a look at all the links. They're all there. But Zachy, thanks. That's right, guys. Good on thanks you. Thanks for uh, coming on the show, honey. You're quite welcome. I had a great time. You're an absolute legend. It's quite a cathartic experience, this chat. Yeah, it really is. Really it beautiful is. and I hope for all three of us. Yeah, good on you. I loved Thanks it because I me. didn't know much about the Mr. Eddie Van Halen. I've had to look at many, many interviews and I thought he was an incredible human being and we're not going to see that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, you know what we say. If it's music mateys... Or cool, cool shit from shit the eighties. From the eighties. We're gonna talk about it. See you later. I'm real. Bombadida, 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 clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy trails to you till we meet again